Hey everybody, welcome to Marvel Champions Monthly, a fan podcast about the card game Marvel Champions, designed by Fantasy Flight Games. I am Kennedy Hawk, one of your hosts. I've got three amazing co-hosts with me today. So we have Crimson. How's it going? How's it going, Crimson? Yeah, it's going pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good indeed. We have Americano. Almost didn't make it because the drive. Almost, but I made it. I had to make it because I've yeah, I have some strong opinions about tonight's episode. Don't get too defensive, but yeah, okay. <laughs> and we have a new host joining us, I think pretty much permanently on the show, if we can make it happen. So we have Addercop. How's it going? Hey, it's good. I'm super happy to be here. So can you tell us about yourself? You've been on the show a couple times before, but uh, remind people of your card gaming history and your comic book lordom. <laughs> um, well, uh, I've played tabletop games since I was in middle school. Uh, I've played Magic since I was 12-ish. Um, I like, I really like specifically playing cards um, over any other kind of board games. So uh, I'm going to keep doing it. And coincidentally, I've been reading comics since about the same time. So here we are with a game that combines them both. Yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to pass, right? Oh, yes. Days of Overpower. I mean, um, Marvel Champions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I was too young for um, Overpower, I guess. Yeah, did you and, play uh, Versus then? I played a lot of Versus System, actually. That was the first time that I, I was able to like pursue competitive scenes and like take part in the meta. Um, and that was a blast. Like My friends and I would all pile into a car and drive for two hours to go to... Like, like I mentioned recently, uh, the, the MAV pre-release with like Masters of Evil, Thunderbolts, Avengers, uh, Squadron Supreme, I think. That was a good one. Dude, we got we we drove we drove for two hours and got a house by a bunch of people cheating. <laughs> so I take it I'm still the oldest person here. Probably, Damn. maybe. Sorry, I, would, I didn't want to take it away from you. Ah, that's okay. I'll be the cranky old dude. Just being so, considerate, yeah. So, who's your favorite hero in Marveldom? Oh, it's Cap. Well, Cap, Captain, Captain America. Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain Captain America. Oh, that's a weird of... way to say Wolverine. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah, it must be. Super Soldier program, same thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> you and you and the guys over at uh, Critical Encounters really must get along. Me and and that was them. A joke, by the way. That was that was a joke. They hate oh. Captain America. Yeah, that's that's all right. We get along pretty well. I think they hate all the heroes over there. I don't that's, know. I mean, but but Captain America and Iron Man are like top tier on their list for for that they have a vendetta against. It's true. That's kind of like their job over there. They really like Hawkeye, so I can't complain. He's yeah, a reformed criminal. To, yeah, they're supposed to like the villains, right? Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Yeah. I get it, and like, what's, what's the, uh, the diametric opposition of a villain? The goodest guy around. And he's pretty basic, too. So, Oof. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the Cyclops of the Avengers. Oh, yeah, like hey. calm down. <laughs> hey, Cyclops is cool. If you were 16 and you got put in charge of all of your dumb friends with crazy powers, you'd be a jerk too. <laughs> no, I like Cyclops. Me and Kenny both like Cyclops quite a bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm just giving you a hard time. I, I really like Captain America. Yeah, that, that, no, that's fine. I get it. You give me a hard time all you want. Well, we're going to add a new segment to the show. You're going to give us some comic suggestions from recent poll weeks. Is that how this is going to work? I figure we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about some relevant stuff from the last couple of weeks. 
Um, and we'll keep it short. So let's let's get cracking, right? Hence the name. Yeah, let's let's yeah, let's keep it a, a whole minute, right? I'm gonna insert so, like a ticking clock over you later. Just get ready. I love it. Um, so the most significant thing that I want to talk about that came out in the last two weeks is Women of Marvel number one. Um, it came out just this last Wednesday. Your local comic shop still has copies of it. You should still be able to order copies of it. Um, it's Marvel putting together uh, about twelve short stories, all by women in the industry, starring. Uh, significant characters. Um, Peggy Carter's in it. Uh, Hella's in it. Uh, She-Hulk's in it. Lady Deathstrike's in it. It's really cool. It's really fun. Uh, it's punchy, and it's a lot of comic for your bucks. Um, it also has the most Marvel Champions adjacent story I've seen in a long time with She-Hulk fighting the Rhino. So if that isn't, if you're listening to this podcast and that doesn't sell you on it, I don't know how to sell you on a comic. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Um, another quick recommendation since we're here, uh, Black Knight got his solo miniseries. It's really good. It's written by Simon Spurrier, who does a lot of really weird stuff. So if you like strange stories, Arthurian legend, and a lot of violence, um, Black Knight one through five, I believe is what it's going to be. Uh, it's only on number two right now. So if you opened up your Rise of the Red Skull, got your Black Knight and said, who the hell is this? Well, you can find out who the hell this is. Nice. Good suggestions. The She-Hulk one's really funny, because when we did our She-Hulk and episode, I was trying to find She-Hulk Marvel Champion stories where She-Hulk fought against Rhino, and I was just Googling it. And she had never fought like Rhino in a story before. All the stories were like <laughs> people on like, you know, forums from the 90s, like, debating the strength of She-Hulk versus the strength of Rhino. But now we have a comic about it, so I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't want to uh, spoil anything, but the Superhuman Law Division comes into play. Oh, wow. Can't oh, yeah. wait. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's a pretty cool lawyer. <laughs> that has nothing to do with She-Hulk. With the new you ruling, that's not She-Hulk anymore. You're out of luck. RRG jokes. It's okay. All right. Well, Today's topic is going to be Galaxy's Most Wanted, episode number two. So last episode, we talked all about Rocket and Groot and the player cards you can get. Today, we're going to talk about the first three villains from Galaxy's Most Wanted. So we got a ton to get through, so we're going to just get underway. I'm going to give a brief overview of the campaign, um, just talking about how the campaign structure works within the box, and then each of you is going to overview one of the villains, and we'll talk about the modular sets that come with them, what some of the worst cards you're going to experience are, some tips to winning, and then sort of a review of each villain, where do we grade them on the F to A on the funness scale, the the eh scale, like you're just, you know, <laughs> eyeballing it. Okay. So, so, that's, so, so it's the funness scale, that's the grade we're going to give it at the end? Yeah, yeah, all A's, okay. right? Spoilers. Okay. okay. Whatever scale you want to give, that's fine. Funness, difficulty, how many times you smash your head into the wall. I don't know. Sounds, sounds fair. I won't belabor that point. So the campaign, Galaxy's Most Wanted, is pretty cool. So it connects five scenarios, four different villain characters. So you're going to fight one villain twice. We'll find out which one later today. Those scenarios interconnect through a narrative, which is really cool. So as you do things in scenario one, it's going to affect scenario two. Unlike Rise of the Red Skull, where you got sort of these upgrades that were static after each mission, here you're going to get 
victory points or units that you spend on some market deck. So there's a market deck of cards that you're going to buy things from in between missions to upgrade your deck along the way. There's a couple oddities in the campaign itself. So in the standard campaign, you're fighting against standard villains um, with a standard side scheme that starts in play, a standard leveled side scheme. Um, and those side schemes can be pretty brutal, even in standard. But you're still allowed to change your deck in between scenarios. You can change aspects and things like that. In the expert campaign, you have an expert side scheme that starts in play. And then you have to change... Um, you cannot change your aspect or your deck in between scenarios. So you pick a deck for scenario one, and you're stuck with it for five scenarios. Um, there's lots of interesting ways to get... Um, victory points, so you can defeat that side scheme that starts in play, um, which you're probably going to want to do because there's bad things on it, so getting rid of it is good. You can um, defeat minions with the victory points on them, and then there's some unique ways in each mission, whether you end in the first stage of the mission, or you defeat all the minions, or something like that. You can get these bonus victory points to spend in the, the marketplace. Um, that's called specifically called victory, right? That's the keyword. Yeah, the keyword is specifically called victory, and it's really important that you know what victory does. So when you defeat something with the victory keyword, it is removed from the game and put into a victory display. So that means you are not putting it into a discard pile, which is going to be really important with one of the villains that we talk about today. So that is sort of the campaign structure. Um, they've they've said since then in the latest RG update that there's four ways to play the campaign. So you can do a standard campaign in standard mode where you're using the 1-2 villain and you're using um, the standard side scheme and you're using not the expert set. Or you can play the standard campaign with the expert villains and the expert um, modular set, but still with the standard side schemes because that's determined by the campaign level. So there's sort of like a standard slash standard and standard slash expert level. And then there's an expert campaign that starts with the expert side scheme, but you could still fight against the standard villains with no expert modular cards mixed in. So there's sort of four difficulty levels baked in there. It's really confusing because there's an expert campaign that you can play without using the expert modular set. So it can be very confusing, but hopefully we'll have a video on our YouTube channel soon explaining like the four variants of the official campaign, but also giving suggestions on how to like I wouldn't say make the campaign more fun, but uh, to tweak the campaign to your liking. So that's that's going to be all I'm going to say about the campaign, because we're going to go through the campaign by talking about all these villains. So today we're going to do those three villains, and then next episode we'll talk about the last two villains, the marketplace, and just the campaign experience overall. So, okay. you guys got any other comments about the campaign? It's rough. No, I'll say it. <laughs> it's brutal. We'll just say that. It's it's not Rise of the Red Skull. You're not going to win on your first try in every scenario, unless you play Hulks. Um, but that's a different right. story. <laughs> All right. I'll link, you'll link to that video in the description? Yeah. Yeah, we can put a link to Undoubtedly. that. It was comical, don't worry. She-Hulk may have bit a bullet, but it's okay. It's called teamwork. Probably not teamwork. very many upgrades. I don't know. Oh no, I was all over the upgrades. Oh, were you? Okay. Oh yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll move on to the first villain. So the first villain you're going to face off against is the Brotherhood of the Badoon, who is led by Drang, the Badoon leader. So this is a scenario you're probably going to want to have some damage mitigation or healing to go up against. And we're going to have Americano give us the overview of this scenario. Yeah, so 
Drang, this reptilian humanoid leader. I don't know. Is he a leader of the Badoon? I don't know. Um, it's this scenario or this um, set has only 13 cards, the Brotherhood of Badoon. So it's, is this the small, I think this is the smallest yeah. scenario that we've seen so far in any of them. Um, and let's see. Three of those are the Drang one, two, and three. So Drang one, I'll briefly. He has one one scheme and two attack. Drang two has, uh, or and he has twelve, thirteen uh, hit points per player. I'll get to his his uh, ability in a second. Drang two is two scheme and three attack, fourteen hit points per player. And Drang three is three scheme, three attack, with eighteen hit points per player. So, you know, he's kind of a, you know, a little bit weak on stage one, but. Um, he has a forced response on his scheme in stage one. When he, um, after Drang scheme, after Drang schemes, resolve the Badoon ship's charge up ability. So the whole hook with this Brotherhood of Badoon is this Badoon ship environment card that's it, that um, based on the um, stage one A. Um, the setup tells you to put the Badoon ship environment and the Milano support. So I'll get to that in a second. The Milano ship, the Milano support into play. So the Badoon ship has a charge up ability that says special place one barrage counter here. Then if there are four or more barrage counters here, deal two indirect damage to each player and remove all barrage counters from here. So the idea behind this uh, set is that Drang is charging up his Badoon ship. They're coming to, to Earth um, to invade the planet, and they're charging up the Badoon ship to deal the ram da direct damage or indirect damage to all of the uh, each player, um, and that's going to happen as soon as it hits four, and uh, as soon as it charges up and hits four. So you're going to have this happen several times. So when Kennedy Hawk says have some damage mitigation, he's not kidding. Uh, this is going to happen to you. It's depending on how fast you do it, it's going to happen if, several times in the game, probably. Um, and stage two, there's he has... So his force response is when he schemes again. It's the same thing uh, after he schemes, resolve the Badoon ship's charge-up ability. So basically when he's scheming, he's charging up his ship more quickly. Uh, his Badoon ship. Then he also has a when-revealed effect. If Drang's spear is in play... Give Drang one face down boost card. Otherwise, search the encounter deck and discard pile for Drang's spear. Reveal it and shuffle the encounter deck. So the spear gives him a plus one attack. It attaches to him. Um, Drang gains stalwart. So this is one of the new keywords in the game. Stunned or confused. So characters that have stalwart can't be stunned or confused. So while you might be playing protection to help with the damage mitigation, you're not going to be able to use your... Um, Stunning effects from protection while he has his spear in play. You have to use a hero action to discard it. Um, spend a whole bunch of resources. I don't know the theme behind that, but someone might. Hattercop, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's just to, to punish you. It's uh, yeah. There's. Uh, it's to punish you. It's just okay. They're they're angry. You got they're from by space. the spear or something. Yeah. I don't know. They're angry, they're from space, and uh, they have space weaponry. That's pretty much the Badoon. <laughs> okay, okay. So his third level is when revealed. So he has the force response on his scheme and his attack. So this isn't when he schemes, this is after Drang activates, resolve the charge of ability. So he's super powered, 
villain on stage three, three, three. Um, when he's revealed, discard the top four per player cards from the encounter deck. Each time a minion is discarded this way, put it in, into play. You put it into play, so it's so it's discarded. It's not revealed. That's that's key to know. And then you put it into play, engage with the player who is engaged with the fewest minions. So not the player that revealed it. Or I guess it's doesn't really matter. It's it's just going to start going around the table. They're just you get a minion and you get a minion and you get a minion, right? So this should be Oprah, not Drang. <laughs> minion Oprah, uh, I love it. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead and look Oprah. under your chair. So, if you thought you were leaving without a minion, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna Photoshop a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I mean, that's that's pretty much it. He only comes with a couple minions in his deck. Um, I think that the recommended modulars have the um, the Badoon Buddies module. Is that what it is? Ba- Band of Badoon. Yeah. So so there's a whole bunch of recommended Badoon. Yeah. Um, minions in that. Uh, if you're playing, if you throw in, I mean, not in the campaign, but if you throw in like Masters of Evil, that type of thing, you're gonna that and you're playing an expert. It's gonna Oof. trigger a lot. He's <laughs> um, just. And what? You also get ship command. Ship ship command, yeah. So ship command um, comes with the Milano, right? So I'm glad you said that because um, the Milano is is a new thing for this campaign, and it stays with the first player. Let me pull it up here. It stays with the first player. The ship command comes with I think seven or eight cards, seven cards. One of them, so six of them go into the encounter deck. One of them, the Milano, is a permanent and it's set up, and it's uh, the first player controls the Milano, the support, and has an ability on it, piloting, resource, exhaust the Milano, and then you get to generate a wild resource for any player. Um, pro tip, maybe not pro tip, but I found that using the wild resource is probably not the best use for the Milano because there are a lot of um, things that will, in, in for example, of abilities in the ship i think it's in the ship command that lets you exhaust the milano to get rid of them um or remove threats from the schemes that type of thing i think there's even if i recall correctly in the drang himself uh this some of the side schemes there lets you act that the first player action to exhaust the milano to remove threat from the schemes and things like that so unless you're Wild resource is going to, you know, I think generally it's better to use the Milano, the first player to use the Milano to remove threat from these schemes because they're thematically, it's a blockade or a bombard, you know, bombardment or spatial positioning. So the the Badoon are coming and the Milano goes and helps um, with that threat. So I love, so for me, overall, this this is all about space fighting. And so the Milano being a permanent part of it, um, required modular set to go in with it makes perfect thematic sense to me. I love that you can use that Milano to remove threat from these side schemes that happen to be space battles. Um, That to me, thematically for this one, knocks it out of the park. Besides the spear, I guess. Everything else with the Milano, I think is I think it's well very well designed. So. Yeah, I think you're dead on with the Milano. If you don't have a reliable way to spend a single resource that doesn't cost you a card to thwart three, 
uh, then you always want to thwart three. Right. Yep. Yep. And unlike most main schemes, the main scheme is going up by two per player, and it starts with a ton of threat on it. So it's starting with two threat on it, it goes up by two per player, and it pops at eight. So it just so it starts one with scheme. It, can it go starts crazy. with two per player threat on it. Two per player threat, and yeah. it goes up by two per player, which is, yep. it, it adds up to be a lot. Yeah, so you're... Oh, and I guess I should point out, the main scheme does allow you to use the Milano to remove three threat from that scheme. I didn't say, I said side schemes, but the main scheme also does. Oh, right, it's all yeah. space. So that's probably, <laughs> especially if you're not playing a Justice player, a Justice uh, deck, that's probably your best use for the Milano as the first player. Um, to remove that threat because it does go up quite pretty quickly. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Milano is so nice with a hero that only has like four hand size too. True. Yeah, the Milano is really nice in general. I like it as a modular set to throw into anything. I mean, why can't I fight Rhino when I'm on the Milano? Maybe he's in <laughs> space breaking and taking. I don't know. Yep, that's well, what I'm doing. well, but the th thematically, right? The Milano. Then, I mean, yeah. There's no, there's nothing in the Rhino deck that's gonna let you benefit from being in the Milano specifically, but that modular set will have things that you can use. Yep, and the, it'll have things command. that will sort of attack the Milano, right? There's some treachery cards where it's take some damage, spend some resources, or exhaust the Milano. So it's it's a little interesting. So for your example, I would see the Milano is coming down and down to the ground level, and all it can really do is kind of distract and get you a a wild resource, but then if something, an environment card or something gets pulled from the ship command, it's got to take off into the space and, and deal with it. So I like it. The theme I think is that, a win on the Milano, I think. Absolutely. And and with the Brotherhood of Badoon, I think that those work in conjunction so beautifully that uh, I, I love the theme of this. They, I think they really did do well with the space, the space well, battle on this one. Drang is a really important person to Marvel history. He appeared in all of four comics, so that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, he's up there with Spider-Man, you know, just divided by a thousand or something like that. So he didn't even appear in Earth 616. So he's probably got pulled in by Kang in the last scenario. Who knows? Real popular that's, guy. That, that's it. That's it. What are you guys' thoughts on it? I like Drang. Drang's one yeah. of my favorite scenarios in the box. I think he's pretty fun. Um, he's challenging, right? He he ramps up um, from stage one to stage two in both stats, both scheme and attack, which a lot of the villains didn't do. They ramped up in like one or the other. So he gets a really big burst, especially since he goes and fishes out that weapon in stage two. So in standard mode, it can be quite jarring when you jump from two to three or one to two. And when you jump from two to three, the same thing. He kind of feels like mutagen formula. I mean, in, in four player, he's going to discard 16 cards from the top of the deck. If those are all minions, they're all coming out. And, and the Badoon magic was all insane. minions. Yeah, he, he was yep. he was very fun for me. I did have to like kinda go all out with She Hulk Justice. Um but I was able to take care of him and the minions fairly okay. Now I played on standard standard solo play. But yeah, I As I had, we all should. Yeah, I definitely had to heal <laughs> a couple times and I don't know. I, I really liked it. Though that spear is a pain in the butt. Stalwart is annoying. And one of the things with Stalwart is if you if you stun Drang and then he finds his weapon and gains Stalwart, it discards the stun and confuse from him. So you That's have to make worst. sure that you That is the worst. What's yeah, I know. It's it's no fun. 
So it happened. So I'll tell like, you. Go ahead. Oh, it happened like twelve hours ago, and I'm still upset. <laughs> I'll tell you, the first time I played Drang, it was on standard, and it was two player, and we just looked at each other and we said nope, and we scooped it up because it was we fell so far behind immediately. There was there really was no coming back from it, and it was I was like, okay, this is def- that was my first inkling of this is definitely not a Red Skull box. Um, <laughs> yeah, first, I, I was first convinced villain. it was at first because the the side scheme that comes out with Drang it starts with two plus three per player, which is a lot of threat, but it has no icons on it in standard mode. And when you defeat it, you draw a card. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. These side schemes are going to help me. I just have to like remove a bunch of threat, and then I earn a reward. But then the expert one starts with an acceleration token, and when you defeat it, you have to discard a card from your hand. So it's like a double negative. And I'm it's like, why are they? It's three and four for four per instead of yeah. So in in four player, that's going to start with fifteen threat on it, and your reward for removing all that is you have to discard a card from your hand. So so if you really are, if you love pain, play the expert campaign. Is what you're saying? Well, there's some tricks you could do too. So if you want to play the expert campaign in standard or in expert, the when defeated is each player must choose and discard from a card from their hand. The word must is kind of a soft word here because if the fourth player playing defeats that and nobody has cards left in their hand, guess what? You don't got to discard anything. So it's really great with Hulk, because you discard your cards from your hand at the end of your turn, and then you let She-Hulk discard the side scheme, and you don't have to worry about it. Um, hey, so hey, that's hey. the trick there. No, we weren't playing Expert. Mm-hmm. Okay. We were playing Standard Standard. Too scared. <laughs> that's the way to play. Yeah, so I think for me, the Brotherhood of Badoon honestly gets an A for fun. Um, it's It's... I mean, a little bit probably more difficult than the standard or than like the par um, for scenarios that we have. Um, but I think that the the theme of it for me, the space battles, like I think it was it was very well done. So A for me for fun. Gets an A from me as well. I really like the modular set that comes with it. The Band of Badoon is a 10 card modular set. It is 10 minions and they range from one health to six health. And all 10 of them have a boost ability. So target acquired is like pretty much when you get your um, Galaxy's Most Wanted box, make a deck, remove a card, and then put target acquired in because you're not going to regret <laughs> it. Because um, the 10 boost abilities that come in Band of Badoon, one is like a boost ability that gives the villain overkill and piercing. So if you had tough, it's gone. And if you chump blocked, well, guess what? You're taking it to face. One of them puts the Badoon into play with you. Um, one of them gives him plus two boost icons for a scheme. One of them gives it for for an attack. So he's got all sorts of like awesome boost abilities in that Badoon set. And they just they feel super fun and thematic. You feel like you're being swarmed by this alien invasion. Would you, would you throw this in the Band of Badoon in any other heroes? Or, or I mean, do you feel like it fits in any other heroes? Or sorry, oh, villains? I, I don't know if it fits oh. them. But yeah, I tried it in Claw, and I regretted it almost. <laughs> I I like I think I confused him, and I got him down to like zero threat in the main scheme. So I was like, I can flip down. This will be fine. And he cleared his confusion, and he drew an advance, and then he drew a boost card that gave him an additional boost card, and the second one was one that gave him like plus three while scheming. And I'm just like, well, Claw just schemed for twelve or something. This is no big deal. <laughs> it's okay. It turned it turned Claw into Solo Rhino. Yeah, pretty much. It was brutal. <laughs> Everything is fine. I like a, I like Band of Badoon uh, with Ultron for like a doomsday scenario kind of thing, like where everything's going wrong. Why not just throw a bunch of Badoon in there too? You got robots <laughs> or androids and aliens coming in? Yeah, you okay. just need wizards. 
They're kind of greenish. You could pretend they're goblins and put it in mutagen formula or whatever, too. So, I mean... That's just, all nobody will notice. <laughs> um, they all look alike. Those Badoons have really cool abilities, too, not just their boosts. So there's one with Retaliate, there's one with Overkill, there's one that, like, spawns another card on you if you don't have other minions. There's a new... Yeah, that's new not keyword. fun. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're fun if you're a villain. I don't know. I don't like yeah, the way you're using I, fun or awesome here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm one of the I don't know, I I love when you get new minions because I, I don't know they're they're different than they're almost the mirror opposite of like side schemes. If you had a whole modular set of just side schemes, that's going to focus on threat. The minions are going to I mean focus on both, but you can get so many different abilities and stuff. So while I I I understand what you're saying, Kennedy Hawk, I just I don't like the Badoon Grunt. You don't like the Badoon Grunt? Oh, it's it's such a misleading card. I said this, on, I said this on I said this on Discord. The Badoon Grunt, you have this tiny one right in the front. So it's like a Badoon. I picture Badoon Runt instead of Grunt. It's a 2-2 two, <laughs> two, and it comes into play. It's like, okay. I think what they should call him is Badoon Scout, right? He comes into play. If you don't have another card, he like throws something at you. So he's like scouting the region. I thought it was very like fitting of the art, right? Because there's a bunch of Badoons shown there, so if you get one, it doesn't make sense because the card shows a bunch of them, so it deals you another card. And with how many minions are in this modular set, it's probably another Badoon jerk. Um, yeah, it's true. Hey, what do you guys rate it? I'd Drang definitely, it. Yeah, I'd put it out of me. It was very fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I think I think it has that like sense of urgency that's really important. It gives you that invasion feel. Like you have to act quickly. You can't just hang out in a spot because there's a war going on. That Badoon ship will really kind of build up. It's really gonna charge up faster. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna change mine to an A plus because my my favorite three villains used to be Claw, Crossbones, and Mutagen Formula. And Drang is now in that top three. Like, I think he is that fun to play over and over again with different modular sets and stuff. I Doubt. I really like Drang. Do you, okay, I'll ask you this before we go to the next one. What what modular set from not from this box would you like? Do you like to play with it? Masters of Evil. Um, okay. So I think that especially if you're playing expert, if you're an expert player, like those pros out there, like me, you know, um, then you. <laughs> You really want to include like a minion heavy modular set for when he flips to Drang 3. Because yeah. if you put like experimental weapons in and he discards 16 cards and he reveals zero minions, you're going to be like, well, great, an acceleration token. Who cares? But if you put something with a ton of minions in there, so um, I think Masters of Evil works really well. Legions of Hydra can even work because you have a good chance of getting Madam Hydra and one of those guard minions. Um, basically, minion heavy sets. You can also do him, like, I, I put him in there with Electro, because Electro has all that stuff that discards a bunch of cards um, from the encounter deck, and then he burns cards from the encounter deck, and if he brings Electro out, it just, like, increases exponentially, and everything's getting discarded from the um, encounter deck. So he can be fun with Electro, too. I don't know if any of that... Well, none of it is thematic. He's only been in four issues, but we can pretend. Yeah. That's, that's the joy of playing the game. That's the beauty of it. Exactly. True. I haven't tried him with Anachronauts yet. I didn't feel like um, <laughs> doing that to myself. And do it. So what was your... What do you think the the nastiest or most fun card is from this set, depending on how you want to answer that question? Um, 
I think the the card that oh man, the nastiest card I think is the spear, probably. I agree. Um I don't think that's the most fun card though. Uh <laughs> I, I I honestly I think that the Badoon ship, the environment, it's 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 not the flashiest, but I think it I think what Adderkop said, it gives the the sense of urgency to the scenario. It makes it feel like it um Yep, you know, an actual invasion. So I, I, I think that is the key card to the to the scenario. So it's not flashy, but I think it's 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 a very well designed card. Yeah, mine relates to that. I hate that Badoon engineer two scheme one attack three health, but when he engages you or activates against you, he resolves the Badoon ship's charge up ability, and he can even do it on a boost ability. He resolves that charge up ability. So if you've got three counters on there and you think you're safe for a round and Drang boosts that charge up, all of a sudden everybody's taken two damage, and I've seen many an ally and hero die to the Badoon Engineer being boosted, and it's just... Is, oh. is, that, just the first, is that the first card that we have that when a, a minion engages or activates against you? Because when I read that, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that... And I don't recall yeah, seeing most, that most ever. Of are, most of them are one or the other, so that's yeah. that's like a new ability. He triggers a ton. You just you have to get rid of him as soon as he comes out, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Job. He just loves his job. I mean, he's tinkering. Look at that. He's he's doing great. <laughs> I don't know he's, where his arm is. It's, it's man, up in the thing, right? He's he's engineering. He's engineering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's how it works. Okay. <laughs> that's what he's doing. So what are some tips to beating Drang? We already mentioned a couple. Running target acquired, always using the Milano to, to not thwart, to remove threats. That's an important distinction is there's a new keyword patrol that makes it so you can't thwart against the main scheme. You can still remove threat from the main scheme, just not with a thwart action. So the Milano lets you bypass those patrol minions. But what are some other tips for beating Drang? Speed. Be fast. Hit Hulk. hard and carry a big stick. I, I know I'm filling in for the the aggression player here, but I have to agree 100% that you get in and you wrestle Drang. Like, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Don't waste time. Yeah, Don't he's think, a big... oh, well, I, I, can, I can chill this turn and I'll do stuff next turn. Yeah, no, you don't have a next turn sometimes. His, <laughs> his Yeah, his main schemes um, can pop really quick, really quickly, especially the second one. If you get to the second one, like, they really, you really feel the urgency. Um, so you, you can't, you can't mess around. They're coming for the planet. Yeah. I think even though that uh, spear has stalwart, I think stuns and confuse are still really strong against Drang. You just have to remove that spear because it goes to the discard pile. And his first two forms only trigger that charge up ability on confuse, and then once per turn when the main scheme has step one. So if you can confuse him and flip down, you're going to feel really good. And then something Adderkop and I didn't use earlier. Remember how we couldn't clear all those minions and we were really mad at ourselves? The first main scheme says you can exhaust the Milano to remove three threat from the scheme. The second one says you can remove three threat or deal three damage to a minion. So we could have pew-pewed the Milano, uh, or used the Milano to pew-pew that last minion away in main scheme 2B. So we pay didn't attention play, to the main scheme. We didn't play Hulks, regardless of their degrees, to read anything. I, I think yeah. I think you needed to do some more experimental research. Well, let me just say this is just one of those things with the the main schemes. Why I love the theme of this. The first one is terrestrial invasion, so you only get to remove the threat with the Milano because they're coming. But then the second one is protect the planet. So 
Drang and the Brotherhood have already reached, basically they're shooting up civilians down on the ground. So you can take out the minions that have jumped off the ship. That, that, uh, anyway, I, the theme is an A+, plus, I think. Yeah, this. absolutely. This is an invasion, for sure. I feel invaded anyway. by boost abilities. <laughs> okay. So quick, before we move on to the next scenario, there are a bunch of different ways you can get these units to spend in the market. So we're going to overview the ways you can get those units, because you can get a lot of them if you're good, unlike us Hulk players. So <laughs> you get one unit per player when you win the scenario. So if you win, good job, you got a unit. You can get up to three units based on victory cards that you've removed and put into the victory display. So that the campaign side scheme gets you one. And in the campaign, you shuffle in this guy called the Badoon Headhunter. And he's a jerk of a minion. He's 1-1 one, one with seven hit points. And he has Villainous, so he's going to get a boost card every time he attacks or schemes. But he's got Victory 2. So if you get rid of that side scheme and the Badoon Headhunter, you're up to four victory points or units. You can also get one if there are no minions in play. Good luck. Um, and you can get one <laughs> if, you, if you stay in the main scheme 1B. So if you do pop to main scheme 2, you can start using the Milano to remove those minions, which is going to help you get a few more units. So ultimately, you could get a maximum of six units per player to spend in the market. Um, and there are cards varying from one to seven in cost. So you really want to get as many units as you can. So focus on staying in main scheme stage 1B. And even though we all just said, you know, bum rush Drang and get rid of him, if you have the chance to remove all the minions right before concluding the scenario, go for it. I say get that extra, that extra dollar. And that's Drang, A+. Plus. Box closed. We're done. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty All right. convincing. It's all uphill from here, right? All uphill from here. Well, the next scenario is a scenario that you're probably actually going to want to race even faster than Drang because you're going to be so sick of fighting against him and losing, potentially. And it is the first form of the Collector in Infiltrate the Museum. So Adderkop's going to give us an overview and tell us all about the hook of this amazing, amazing scenario. Yeah. So, the Collector, you guys uh, might know him as Benicio del Toro. You guys might know him as uh, the guy who had Howard the Duck, because he did. Um, so, you know, quick quick rundown, player stats, right? Uh, stage 1, he's got a 2 scheme and a 1 attack. Stage 2, he's got a 3 scheme and a 2 attack. Stage 3, he's got a 4 scheme and a 3 attack, which is pretty crazy. So, obviously, you don't want him scheming. Uh, at all, if possible. Um, and now here's the here's the clincher. Um, but before I read it, um, you guys, I mean, you guys know the best text in a game is draw a card, right? You always want to draw cards. And that's because you put all your good cards in the deck because you want to play them. Well, forget it. Against Collector, you can't play all of your favorite cards. In fact, you can't even smush vill- uh, minions without having to really think about it. So his forced interrupt says, when a card, player, or encounter, that it clarifies, when a card would be placed into a discard pile from play, put it face up into the collection instead. So all three of his stages have this. So however you're playing the collector, he's going to take your stuff. Um, <clears throat> Makes sense thematically, right? Yeah, he's just, he's just collecting. The thing that doesn't make sense to me uh, is if you punch out his henchmen, he collects them. <laughs> like. I mean, I like the visual of Hulk throwing his, his gigantic fist into a guard and then him getting like slammed into a cage or something, because that's funny. But why does he want him? And why do I lose? Because he, I, I sent him all of his guys back. 
he should be like giving me some kind of refund. I should earn credits for giving him back. This is true. Let's reverse yeah. the scenario. Yeah. So uh, stage two, when he's revealed in player order, each player must choose to either put the top card of their deck uh, into the collection or take three damage. Similarly, on card three, put the top card of each player's deck face up into the collection um, and place one threat on the main scheme for each card in the collection. So you could just, you could just end the game by, by pushing into three. If the collection is too I large, I've done it before. You're just, uh, was it your first time playing? Did you know what a three was? Did you? Know I did not, and it wasn't my okay. first time playing. <laughs> it was real fun. <laughs> and if you haven't played collector yet, you might be saying, "Addergob, what's he doing with all these cards? Why do I care? He can he can have all of them." Well, <laughs> if you thought you could only die by being threaded out or being bludgeoned to death, I have bad news for you. The collection can also kill you. <laughs> if he steals enough of your cool stuff, you lose five per player. So you're playing solo, and he grabs five cards, or you killed five minions, or you know, uh, you use your enhanced physique enough times, and you're dead. <laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> so there's an alternate lose condition. Yes, there are three ways to lose to the collector. Yeah, I call it uh, the, the sad loss, because he took all your stuff, and now you're sad. He robbed you. You yeah. call him the sad boss? Is that what you said? The sad loss. That's the sad loss. Oh, the sad, sad loss. Oh, <laughs> the sad loss. I'd rather lose by death than lose yeah, my no. allies. That's all I'm saying. Just don't he... kill the minions so they just attack you. You should be able to buy a card called Xanax. He uh, he stole my dog earlier, so I punched him for 15. So that's kind of how that played out. <laughs> yeah, he was just bigger and greener, but mostly the same guy. That's I think that's what we call super retaliate. Take my dog, punch him <laughs> fifteen. So you yeah, know you can get that custom. You can uh, you can buy your stuff back from, of course, for two resources, which isn't terrible. Uh, exhausting your hero, which is a lot easier. Uh, it's a lot easier. Quicksilver, <laughs> uh, Captain America. Um, and you at least get to pick it. So that's kind of nice, but it is limited once per uh, round per player. So you can't like discard four resources, pay four, and then get two cards back, or exhaust and pay two. You can't do that. You can only save one card per turn. So you have to try to regulate how much is going into the collection every single turn. Is there another way to remove a card from the collection? Yes. If a player is defeated, I think all their cards are removed <laughs> from the collection. <laughs> okay. Okay. So if you've got so 10 cards and there is She-Hulk, you might just want to take one for the team. And... Sepuku <laughs> is the other way to take out the collection. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's true, but there's, there's a rules question about it. So I'm not saying oh, I haven't man. tried it before, but... So pending, so more, pending that ruling. So more than likely, it's just slowly going to collect and you're, it's going to be very difficult to, get, to, get, to gain ground on that. Right. It, it, it's, easy to get, it's really easy to get behind. Um, the way to get around it, obviously, is to just not play things that will be leaving play. Um, and that, that can kind of guide your turns a little bit more than you normally would. So you're going to try to avoid uh, things that you have to cash in, stuff like um, resourceful. You don't want to play. Um, and, you know, of course, he has the standard module. And he also brings another copy of Caught Off Guard in his own module. So if you love discarding your upgrades, well, I got great news for you. <laughs> yeah. 
And his yeah. master modules are no joke. His modules are brutal. So things that can go in the collection, defeated minions, defeated side schemes that don't have victory, defeated allies. So if you lose an ally to consequential damage or jump blocking, too bad. Preparations, sorry, just don't play Black Widow. Um, don't play Black Widow, don't yeah. play Rocket. Cards with uses. Um, cards discarded from treachery effects, like caught off guard. Um, and lots of other ways that you could end up discarding cards, but they have to be from play. So if you discard a card from hand or from the top of a deck, that's not discarding it from play, so you don't have to worry about it there. Um, but but you can, there's you enough ways to discard things. Yeah. But hit when revealed, though, you do have to put the top card of your deck face up into the collection or take three damage. So you could potentially have an event card go into the collection. You could, and he takes the top card of your deck at setup. Um, so right, you can take event cards. Um, with She-Hulk, he takes your superhuman strength when you activate it, which is very humorous to think about. He has sucked the strength out of me and put it into a cage. So but even Miss Marvel is not immune to the collector. Even Miss Marvel is not immune. This is correct. Um, and yeah, he just he racks up cards really, really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It's always surprising, like how quickly it happens. But um, you know, it just gives you another dimension for uh, pacing, I suppose. Now, Mike, don't go for it. Now, I, I know a lot of people have had trouble with this. Now, I only got to play it once, and I did defeat him on the first go. Now, again, standard, standard solo, and I was playing She-Hulk. But you're right; like there are things that I didn't play that I normally would play, like Superhuman Strength. I didn't play it at all. And the freaking Psychic Ghost is the worst card in all of this. <laughs> Another yeah, case so for target acquired. So he's got two modular sets that come with him. One is the Menagerie Medley, which, again, they love minions in this campaign box. It's a nine-card modular set, all minions. These Psychic Ghosts that we're all lamenting um, have two scheme, two attack, four hit points. The ghost traits, in case that's ever important. When revealed, you are confused. If you're already confused, sucks to be you. Take him one damage. Um, and the boost ability is to put the ghost into play. So he won't confuse you when he's put into play by boost ability, but he's still going to probably scheme or attack against you for two. So it's just as bad. Um, and you and can't defeat him because it goes to the collection. Yeah, and there's four. There's four. casual four of them. Don't worry there's about four it. Four copies of it. Oh. And that, that uh, poor health is, is, is really the thing that hurt the most was the poor health. Because doing oh, yeah, three damage is very... Right? Yeah, like, three damage is generally something you can easily pull off, but four gets a, to be a little bit more tough. You, you need to extra for four. And oh my gosh, I hated this, this stupid thing. Yeah, there's three copies of Servant Bot, which is a one scheme, one attack, three health minion with guard and patrol, so you can't attack the villain and you can't thwart the main scheme when this guy's out. He's kind of a jerk. And there's two copies of Star Shark with one scheme, three attack, quick strike, and seven health. The creature and elite traits and damage from Star Shark's attack is dealt as indirect damage. And on boost, he damages all the characters you control. So there's all sorts of nasty villains. So, not villains, <laughs> maybe kind of like villains. Can I mention something about Star Shark that just occurred to me? Oh, uh, so <clears throat> his attacks deal indirect damage, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Fun. He's a star shark. Great. He's got everything going for him, basically. Does this mean that he's like shooting lasers at us? I think it's like an aquarium, but it looks like his mouth is like charging up. 
He could be firing something out of there. We should ask Patrick, uh, the the artist, and find out. I think this is a freaking shark shooting freaking laser beams. I don't know what you're referencing, sir. I think I, I think I do. I know, yeah. Who the collector? Yeah, kind of reminds me of. He's kind of like Doctor Evil. So the cool thing about Metal Menagerie is none of the cards have boost icons, but unfortunately, six of the cards have boost abilities. So still sucks to be you. <laughs> oh, so we don't want to talk about the the infiltrate the museum. We just want to talk about the side schemes, right? Or the side modular sets, right? Oh, no, we don't, we, we don't want to talk about it. We, we can talk about it. It's just, man, that, that ghost was. Uh, I mean, that, I don't really want to talk about it. We just <laughs> we just got distracted, but I just um, don't really want to talk about the collector anymore. You have to. Sorry, you have to. <laughs> it's part I of hate the fun. That, I hate that scenario. I'm sorry. I just don't we like it. We need to collect your thoughts. Tell us what hey. you think. Hey, I just don't like it. Uh, I don't <laughs> like that. I don't. Well, I don't like that. I'm going to be negative for. Uh, Give me thirty seconds, okay? Sure. I'm not, I'm, 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 talk about image. Usually the one I'm usually the one that's like, "Hey, protection's awesome." And now you guys realize protection's awesome because of the RG. But I'm gonna be just say this scenario for me is really hard. I don't I can't figure it out. I haven't I haven't uh, unlocked or cracked the code. I don't like that he takes upgrades and supports and and his minions i don't understand that i don't understand the side schemes i don't get it and the fact that you can put events in there not from his ability like from his when revealed stuff like and the start of the game doesn't make any sense to me like if you got brotherhood of badoon on this side of the spectrum with like an a plus for theme the collector has some things going for him but i think there's some misses there that i'm just like i, I don't know what they were going for they just wanted to make it harder i, I have no idea and I see it, what you're it, saying. It, turn, it had, those few things really turned me off to the theme of it. Um, especially because you come from all these things, including the Milano with, with the Brotherhood of Badoon. And then you got just the collector that just wants to like watch you like break each finger slowly. Like <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what it feels <laughs> like. Just Probably slowly. Just, oh my gosh. Anyway, I agree. Like right, events I'm, I'm done being negative so about weird. it. I'm done being if, negative about it. Events being captured is weird, but this guy is like an elder god or something, right? How, why can't he just you know suck the one-two punch out of me and put it into a container? I have no idea. You just have to put him in a position where he doesn't want to try to catch any more punches. Exactly. <laughs> there is some really fun theme within the Infiltrate the Museum like sets that get shuffled in because again the the set is only 13, 13 cards so it's all from the modular sets where you're getting a lot of your flavor but um one of my favorite cards is inconspicuous box they actually <laughs> yeah. contracted this art out to patrick uh <laughs> so i think that's hilarious they sent someone an art prompt that was like that's a box on a table can you imagine um, his response when he saw that he's like you're kidding right I'm gonna knock this one out of the park. <laughs> I can just imagine like Rocket in the collector's lair. When reveal, put the lowest cost card you control face up into the collection. If you not you cannot this card gain surge. So he like gets really close to this box and it just like opens up and like steals his rocket launcher or whatever. <laughs> it sounds like the most hilarious scene from the movie that I expect like probably got cut from the movie. Um I like that card just because of the theme. And the what is it? The the biogram image, I think, like the mechanic is really like cool. Um 
theme-wise. So you attach it to the collector, it's an attachment, forced interrupt. When the collector would take any amount of damage, put this card into the collection instead. So that part I don't understand totally. But prevent all the damage um, that would be hit against the collector and instead place that threat on the scheme. So like, you're infiltrating the museum, you're supposed to be like all stealthy and not all hulky. So instead, you like punch at this biogram image, you like smash the wall and it alerts the collector to your presence. It seems like a real cool themey win. So I, I liked some of the themes. Card. Well, I mean, I hated the card. It was I hated it so sure. much. But I didn't yeah, think it's about... funny that here they say put this card face up into the collection, but they could have just said discard this card because then it goes to the collection <laughs> anyway. But yeah. Oh my gosh. The the biogram image is 100% the card that like confounds me the most. I'm glad there's like one copy of it. Um because it, you know, you're already in a position where you have to regulate threat taking your damage and the collection. And now you have to not overextend to deal damage, right? You have to find a small packet of damage to, to just give away. And the consequence is that you still get a card in the collection, and now you can deal damage to him normally. And there's no way to just discard it or just get rid of it like a lot of other attachments. Right. So that's, go in there. that's pretty rough. I feel like this one card is disproportionately difficult than the others. Um, but maybe I'm, I'm being dramatic. No, this is this is the card that did me in. Absolutely. It's a, I mean, that it's moment, a collector backflip. That, that <laughs> moment, yeah, that moment when you realize, oh, uh, I have way too many cards in the collection and I can't do anything about it. All right, time to tear this one up. <laughs> View the Sorry, cosmos is a really interesting I, card. I, I won't do that. Don't worry. So everyone that just like had a heart attack, their heart skipped a beat. I I won't tear this up. I probably will <laughs> never play it outside the campaign, but that's okay. So uh, it it comes with one other modular set. Did we talk about galactic artifacts yet? We we didn't. Yet. No, that's the fun one. <laughs> Is it? I mean, the 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 art's pretty. Well, some of it's fun. So it comes with five attachments that can attach to things, whether it's the, the enemy with the lowest attack or your identity or the enemy with the highest scheme, all sorts of weird different ways that it attaches. And then four side schemes that have victory zero. So they don't give you units at the end of the scenario, but they remove themselves from the game instead of going to the collection. All those attachments are real nasty because if they attach to a minion, now when you defeat the minion, two things go to the collection, which again is really hard to, to maintain. Anybody have a favorite galactic artifact or least favorite? <laughs> uh, the poison is the poison. Like the poison by no small margin. It's is it, is your least favorite? Yeah, sorry. Uh, it came up while we were playing. It came up when I was playing solo, and it just like screws up so many turns because now you have to. I have, you have died to, like, to the poison too many times. You have to you have to deal with the, the extra damage, right? Or you have to spend three resources to get rid of it, which in solo that's that's a lot of action. Like that's a lot of action to get out of it. So even so, I still like this module like quite a bit. Yeah, I like that the side schemes give you a benefit for defeating them because they all come into play in solo with five, um, and in multiplayer eleven threat I think, and they have you know, acceleration icons or hazard symbols, or there's a new there's a new side scheme icon, the amplify icon, which increases all boost cards by one boost icon. 
Um, but one of them readies your hero, one of them draws you cards when you defeat it, one of them heals you, so sometimes you can like use those to your advantage a little bit. So I, I like that they give you some breathing room with those. Um, yeah. I think that the Beyonder's Blazer is kind of a cool idea. I don't know the Beyonder in in Marvel Comics. I don't. I don't is that a villain? Is he a villain? Uh, kind of. Yes and kind of? no. Yeah, he's okay. He meddles. That's like his thing. He's from a different dimension or whatever. Um, he's okay. tremendously powerful, and sometimes he just decides, like, "Hey, everybody is going to a battle world now." Okay. So, battle I, I just i just see this okay that makes a lot more sense then i just see, i just see this as a, like a flashy piece of clothing so that it's somehow your hero puts it on so now all of your like that that jacket just, is sweet it just makes it harder like like the villain is just looking at you now like he can't take his eyes off of you because you have this blazer on like, or the just... minion the minions are going to come after you because you're wearing the blade i don't know it's just such a silly idea he's just too fresh and everything is more threatening now <laughs> and that's all there is to it like they put on that the collector walks out he's like what do you think about this and you can do nothing but lose faster yep yep all right well it's almost time for the next version of the collector but let's give some tips for defeating this infiltrate the museum scenario so other than americano um, who has ideas on how to defeat this other than just putting it in the shredder? Uh, decide. <laughs> not, decide everyone what, at one, <laughs> not everyone at once. Decide what's important. Um, if, if, you know, take, take a lot of time in your, in your planning step or your, uh, your player turn um, yep. and figure out what you need to take back from the collection. And if you don't need to take anything, uh, just run into them. Honestly, just just run into them. Even if you're in the campaign, you lose your cards for what one scenario. Yep. Um, let him have them for a little bit. But if you can push through, because he's not he's not huge. Like he has a pretty low HP uh, in general. Yep. Rushable. So yeah. So if you can, and if you can trade a couple cards or like trade your your activation here and there, that that's enough to keep you alive. Um, like like you know we were complaining about how the collection grows pretty quickly, but it, even in solo, realistically, he's probably only taking. One one card a turn, and then maybe two on a bad turn. Yeah, I think so, that uh, not jumping with allies is a big thing. Use your allies fully. So once it allies down to one or two HP, start using Earth's Mightiest Heroes and Strength in Numbers or stuff like that to get advantage of that ally without putting them into the discard pile because that can that can buy you a lot. But at the same time, like if a big attack is coming, just take the jump and lose Spider Girl or whoever because it'll it'll be worth it. There's a lot of high notice, health allies. What's that? I was just gonna say I noticed that Groot was was pretty good against them because he could heal the ally Groot. Yeah, I think you you ally Groot's pretty good against him. I think like Hulk ally for two costs to have five hit points. He can usually soak two attacks from the collector and then only put one card into the collection. So that's that's a pretty good deal. I was of the opposite opinion. When I'm playing solo in this, I think every turn you pretty much need to remove a card from the collection because I think that as minions come out and you have to deal with them, if you're going to defeat those minions and have him steal cards from you through his treacheries and other things, you're going to if 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 he starts getting two cards per turn in the collection and you're only removing one, then you've only got five turns to win. Mm -hmm. so you've got to make sure that collection stays low or as low as you can. If it's ever hovering at 3 or 4 when it makes you lose at five, you're going to have a real bad, a real feel bad turn soon. 
I would say that I'd risk it at three. At three, I'd, I'd continue to push. At yeah, three, I'd risk it if I saw, like, end in sight. But if I was still in, like, the first phase of the villain and it was at three, I would say, no, I got to remove stuff before I worry about flipping him. Right. Do you, do you prioritize taking minions and side schemes out? I don't. So that was the other thing I was going to say is maintain minions and side schemes if you need to. So allies like Spider-Girl, when she comes into play, she can stun and confuse a ghost. You can now let that ghost sit out there for three turns, and on that third turn, he's finally going to activate against you. And okay. if you can defeat the Collector within those three turns, then you don't even have to worry about that ghost. Yep. So yep. Spider-Girl is good. Pheromones you probably don't want to use on a minion um, from Spider-Woman because it'll you could stun and confuse any enemy, but you'd probably rather do that to the Collector. But at the same time, if you've stunned and confused the Collector, you can probably soak a minion attack and a minion scheme for two turns and leave those minions out there for longer. But if too many minions get out, then you run into trouble where multiple sharks are shooting laser beams at you and things like that. So you get a little careful. What about, what about when you, uh, what cards do you, I mean, I'm guessing you're going to prioritize, at least this is how I played it, but don't ask me. I'm not an expert in this one. Uh, removing from the collection, your cards specifically and leaving, or, or do you put the, you take those minions and side schemes out of the collection when you're removing them to make the encounter deck larger or when it gets I reshuffled? I usually don't live long enough for the encounter deck to reshuffle. Okay. Okay. So I either lost or won by that point. So I do usually okay. prioritize my cards if I'm going to reshuffle my deck. When you buy a card out, it goes into your discard pile. So if you're playing like leadership and he steals an ally, that's another good way to bring that ally out if you have make the call and things like that. Um, but I, I generally prioritize my cards when I'm pulling things out of the collection or a player card if it's in multiplayer and not a not a villain card. You mentioned uh, Make the Call here, and I think it's significant to point out that uh, cards like Make the Call and uh, Rapid Response, just leave them at home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, because with Make the Call, you can spend your allies as resources on the first pass through your deck, playing events and things like that. But then if you have an ally like Goliath or someone that can be like a real finisher... You can make the call with them in that last turn. And if you're playing the expert campaign, you don't get to change your deck. So if you don't bring make the call for scenario two, you don't bring it for any of the scenarios. And it's a really good card. So it's hard to pass up on on stuff like make the call. I, I'd still keep it as a one or two of. And I might just not care if it ends up in the collection, right? Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's true. I guess lower counts, right? If you're not changing your deck. Yeah. But, it, but in general, you're going to get way less miles for... Especially... Yeah, especially when you can't change your deck in the experts in the expert campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. I think that uh, yeah, just avoid chump blocking if you're going to play allies, which it's going to be hard not to. You have to use them for their stats, which is something people aren't like really used to. So bring those allies that sit around forever, like U.S. Agent and Hulk, hopefully, and Brawn and things like that, because you can use them four times before you end up chumping with them, and use your hero. Maybe even play a green hero and protect your allies um, to keep them out of the collection, and you'll do pretty good. That's my take. His side scheme is pretty nasty for campaign. I guess we skipped that. So his side scheme... We'll get the campaign stuff over with and then go to the next collector. So his side scheme in standard mode starts with 3 plus hinder 3, so that's up to 15 in 4-player. And when defeated, you place the top card of your deck in the collection. So there's another way you can get a second card in the collection. Oh, His yeah. Ex- yeah, it's gross. 
His expert one is four plus four per player, so it's 20 threat for that victory one. This one you can game a little bit, because when defeated, each player must place one card at random from their hand into the collection. But if everybody has empty hands because you're at the end of the round, then your random card is no cards, and you don't have to worry about it. So that's pretty nice. But it's got a hazard symbol, so you probably don't want to wait around forever for that situation to occur. You keep talking um, about this expert mode. I don't. Yeah, know you want to know how bad about. you want to know how bad expert collector is. So he gets the card into your collection from the main scheme setup. In expert campaign only, also after setup, each player must choose a card from their hand to put into the collection. So that's two starting out of the five you're allowed. And you're starting with Collector 2, so right away he reveals himself and you have to take three damage or place a third card in the collection before you've even done anything. So that was my last chance, is for Collector 2, just always take the three damage. It's almost always worth it, um, rather than taking the top card of your deck away. That's rough. It's gross. Yeah, in Solo, there's like no way to dig out of that hole. You're functionally playing, what, a, a three? Uh... A two-card collection the rest of the game, right? Yeah. Um, one other thing that we didn't point out earlier, or I, I may have glossed over it, I've seen a lot of people confused by this, but on Collector 3, if you're going to play Expert, all those forced interrupts that say when a card would be placed into a discard pile from play, put it face-up into the collection instead. Collector 3's is even worse. It says, put it into the face-up collection instead, then place a threat in the main scheme. So, <laughs> just like Drang, when you hit Drang to stage 3 and all those minions come out, you're just going to burn him dead. You need to do the same thing with Collector. As soon as you reveal pretty much every villain in this campaign, the stage three villain, you just got to nail him that turn and end it. So be ready to burst when you go to stage three. All right, units for the Collector. So you get one for winning again. Woohoo. You can get up to three, one from the victory display, and that Badoon Headhunter, he came back to headhunt you again. And if you defeated him last time, it's going to put a treachery card into the deck as well, which is real nasty. Um, if there are less, if there are one per player or fewer cards in the collection, then you get one extra unit. So good luck. And if the main scheme has no threat on it, you also get an extra unit. So again, good luck. So realistically, <laughs> you can get six, th six units here. Um, I guess not realistically. In a hypothetical yeah. world, in magical Christmas, in magical Magic. Christmas land in the connector, yeah. collect your snow globe. Some, you can get six sure units. But someone's done it. Maybe. Yeah. Realistically, you're probably looking at four units if you get the Badoon Headhunter and that scheme out of the way. Um, and that's not too bad. I'd be happy with four units out of this. So, finally, we're going on to scenario three. And this is a scenario where you're probably going to want to be able to thwart. So I'm a little bit worried about how our, how our Hulk team-up is going to do against this. But Crimson is going to tell us all about how you can escape the museum after you've hopefully infiltrated it successfully. Now, sadly, I did not get a chance to play this one, but I can definitely tell you how this, you know, from looking at the cards and everything here. So you're going to start with collector um, either A or B. So uh, B is going to be your expert. A is going to be your normal. Um, he is rather unique here. So he's a 1-1 one -one with 8 health. Seems great so far, right? Yeah, perfect. Nice, easy. Um, each of his attack and schemes have a uh, star next to them. So Collector gets plus X scheme and plus X attack, where X is equal to the main scheme's current number. So if you're on main scheme 1, then he gets plus 1, plus 1. If you're on 2, he gets plus 2, plus 2, and etc., etc. 
When the collector would be defeated, remove three threat, remove three threat from the main scheme and flip this card. Three threat per person from the main scheme and flip this card. Now, this is where it gets interesting and exciting. On the other side, he is a zero zero with infinite hit points. The collector cannot be defeated. When the round ends, flip this card, then set the collector's hit points dial to his printed hit points. So this is a villain that, that you're not going to win by defeating the villain. Um, now, I, I believe, you know, defeating him has his its advantages because it's going to, like, set him back a turn or stun him for a turn type thing. Okay, now on the main scheme. You are going to um, do the Escape from the Museum, Galactic Artifacts, Ship Command, and the standard modular sets plus the Mirage Memelody or whatever. Uh, but you are going to set the Ship Command off to the side, and you're going to start with the Library Labyrinth Environment in play. This is where it gets fun. So, Game win. <laughs> yeah. The Library Labyrinth Environment has a, a hero action, deal yourself one face-down card, and remove five threat from the main scheme. Limit once per round per player, so each player can do this action once. Now, the main scheme is going to start with seven threat per player, and it's going to tick up one per player, and its uh, threshold is 11 per player. Um, when the last threat is removed from this scheme, advance to the next scheme. And as always, if this scheme is completed, you lose the game. Now you go to the next scheme. This is where you have a reveal effect to set the set aside uh, Milano support uh, ship into play under the first player's control. Now it doesn't say put the rest of that modular into the deck. Um, so you're just getting the Milano. That's it. And like the other one, it starts with a high amount of threat, so it's going to start with 11 per player and tick up one per player with a 15 threshold. And then same thing here. If, you know, when you remove all the threat, you'll advance to the next one. If you don't, you lose. The last one is where it gets kind of interesting, too. So you're going to flip the Library Labyrinth. So the Library Labyrinth is now gone. You can no longer deal yourself an encounter card to remove five threat. Which actually is very bad. <laughs> like, you really, that, that five threat has been helping you, trust me. Um, then you're going to place an acceleration token on the main scheme, shuffle the remaining cards from the set aside ship command encounter deck into the encounter deck. And this is a little bit more unique. So it's still going to start with high threat, eight threat per player, 12 threshold, one per player gain. Well, technically two, because you got that acceleration token. Um, but it now has an action on it, which is first player action. So only the first player can use this, obviously, because it requires you to exhaust the Milano to remove three threat. If there are no threat, on, if there is no threat here, the players win the game. If this stage completes, the players lose the game. So this is a like high speed chase through the collection. It is quite 
interesting, and I can't wait to give this one a go. This this is the one that I'm most excited about playing. But because I haven't played it, what do you guys tell me? How you guys have experienced this? So I've I've had mixed feelings about this one. I think it's really fun in the campaign, and uh, I think it, like you said, it feels like a high speed chase. They get that theme like nailed down for the campaign. But if your hero is bad at thwarting, this feels so bad. Like if you're playing a bad thwarting hero, like maybe Hulk or something, yeah, you could knock him out once per turn and remove some threat, but you're going to be taking extra encounter cards a lot. And people know my opinions on heroic mode. Um, so that basically makes it heroic mode every turn, which is no fun. Yeah, but At the same you... time, it's probably the easiest scenario in the campaign. Like you just you flip if you if you can knock him out, it's going to reduce his stats, which is great, and remove some threat. And if you can knock him out and use that labyrinth ability every turn, you can pretty mm -hmm. much knock out the first two schemes, um, one in each turn, and then you just got to deal with scheme three. But you get I mean, the Milano for scheme three for the third one. You get the Milano for, for the second three. one. Um, you don't get to reduce threat in the second one, but you get it in the third right. one. You can even remove threat with it there. That library labyrinth flips and becomes the museum ship in the third mm -hmm. scheme, which is real annoying. So my one of my strategy tips is like use that uh, library labyrinth um, as much as you can for scheme one and scheme two, but make it so when you flip to scheme three, you just knock it out that turn. Because if you can avoid that uh, museum ship going off where everybody takes a bunch of indirect, then you're going to be pretty happy. Um, it's it's definitely an interesting scenario. It's definitely a different feel. And I like the different win condition for the heroes. Um, but I don't like that it's it's so heavily emphasizes thwarting. Um, it just I mean, it feels bad for non-thwarting characters. This feels uh, right up my ally, then. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's fine for leadership too. It's, it's just, it's justice. just like uh, Black Widow against Collector feels like you're slamming your head into a brick wall. If you're playing a protection character that's bad at thwarting, you're playing Hulk like, aggression. Yeah, or if you're playing an aggression character and none of the minions come out for you to use your little thwarting tricks, you're just going to be punching things and and then hoping that you don't flip advances. I should also say that this uh, pack also only comes with eight or uh, six cards. And there's, it's actually only two cards and three of each of them. Which is, and almost all of them can confuse you. How fun is that? Yeah. It, <laughs> that's, uh, one thing is this scenario is a lot harder in solo than multiplayer. Because in, in multiplayer, if one person misses their like big thwart card for that turn, it's not as big of a deal. Like If the other three people all can take a thwart. But in solo, if you like don't draw into your four justice or into your thwarting action, it's a real bad turn for you. You pretty much have to use that labyrinth ability. And then when you get to scenario three, that puts an acceleration token on. In solo, that's like doubling the auto threat. But in multiplayer, it's just like adding twenty five percent extra threat. Not less less painful in in multiplayer. So it favors multiplayer games and justice players. Really, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, I, I just I can't think of a way that you could because I like the idea behind alternate win condition, like an alternate way to to defeat the villain. Because everything's been just defeating the villain, right? Deal damage. So maybe justice players, the entire life of this game, have felt now how aggression players feel 
with this one. <laughs> and even if you're bad at thwarting, you at least have the library, the, the library labyrinth for the first two and the Milano for the second. Um, so if you can get well, one or two extra threat, it's it's pretty well, solid. It's it's yeah, a fun scenario. It's a it's not one that I enjoy standalone very much. I feel like when I'm playing standalone and I can deck build directly for this instead of having to keep one deck for the whole campaign, it's just you put all the thwarting cards in and you just play them and you win. Um, which I guess that's what aggression players feel like against Rhino. You just play all your attacks and you win. So I think Americano may have may have nailed it there. You put him on the table and you see if he's dead, and that's how it works. <laughs> Usually, yeah. yeah. This guy can't. You can't kill a guy with infinite hit points. They tell us that directly. I've, not with that attitude, but we're going to kill him. <laughs> Be doing a lot of legal practice that day. Remove him from the game. And it uses the same modular sets as the other collector, which is interesting too. So, so i i would I would actually give this an A plus for theme. Um, Absolutely, A plus for theme on this, but. With you, Kennedy Hawk, that it favors um, justice. Really, it favors justice players, multiplayer decks. But I, I think I'm okay with it because we have every other scenario that focuses on just defeating the villain by reducing his its his hit points to zero. It's true, but at the same time, justice has been one of like the most powerful aspects for the entirety of the game. So, did they really need if you if you want to play like a twenty round game? That's true. Yeah, if you want to play a boring game, um, I think I give it an A for theme for sure, and an A for like creativity, and even an A in the campaign. I think it's nice in the campaign that you get five scenarios that feel very different. But as far as a standalone scenario goes, something's got to be game. the absorbing man of the box. I don't. It's yeah. too easy to game. I don't think I'm going to play it a ton standalone. Um, just because I, I, if I was going to play a standalone game, I'd rather play one that's going to give me not that this one won't give you a challenge, but that forces me to not deck build a specific way. If that makes sense. So just build your deck first, and then have a friend choose a random scenario. Yeah, and if they choose this one, I tell them to choose another one. <laughs> that was a practice one. <laughs> practice choice. Choose again. Yeah, for um, the for Escape the Museum, I think it's uh, important to point out that Impossible Geometry is one of the coolest named treacheries with some of the nicest art and some of the best flavor text. It's true. Like, I do like that, that card. Uh, Scotty Young Groot is uh, unbelievably cute. Um, and uh, he's lost. Poor guy. So, you know, you kind of feel for him. It's nice to look at. I would definitely be lost so, there, too. Yeah. And and these ones, we use the same modular sets um, as the first collector, right? So we don't really need to go into those again. Artifacts, ship command, and standard. Now, they yeah. interact a little differently, right? Because now you're not so afraid of defeating those minions and defeating those uh, attachments. So I feel like you have a lot more freedom in this one to like just smash those minions out of the way. The ghosts aren't nearly as scary when you're not like worried about them becoming a card in the collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I appreciate the modular sets a lot more in this one than I do in the, the collector Infiltrate the Museum. Did we grade Infiltrate the Museum? I want to hear Americano's grade. <laughs> We're giving our grade for Infiltrate the Museum? For fun? F. F. F is for fun. Oh. F for no F minus. 
I'd say C. I, I enjoyed it. But I won on my first try, so. I would give it a C for fun. I'd give it a B to A for theme. And then, just like the other Infiltrate one, I think both the collector scenarios for me and Standalone are just not ones that I'm going to enjoy in Standalone. But they'll be super fun in campaigns. So I'm. I get. If I'm going to average them, I'm going to say they're a B. Collector's a B. Solid B. I think I agree for the most part. Like, Collector as a whole is like a B, balancing its theme against its, um, its fun. Um, I like having to keep track of the other dimensions of winning and losing. Um, but at the same time, it does get a little tiring. So, and, and let me be clear. I give it an F, but that doesn't mean that that's just my opinion, and that's nothing against the developers either. Because I don't know what I would have like how I would have made it any better. I'm not a developer. <laughs> I just right. don't like it. So, yeah, we're definitely not developers. Is it your least favorite scenario in all of Marvel Champions, or is there something else that you like less? Mm. Yes, it is. I think it in is. standalone, I'm more likely to play Absorbing Man than Collector One. And collector two, and absorbing man's probably my least favorite scenario outside of outside of those two. I mean, First I would too. Yeah, so definitely okay. collector one is yeah. Well, that was a bummer to end on. We had A for Drang. Everybody felt good about him, and I think theme for collector three we're all happy with. And I do I do applaud and like the alternate win conditions and alternate loss conditions. It's starting to show how much they can stretch these scenarios. Um, and I think that. They're just a little bit too, not too out there, but uh, too gameable for me to enjoy and stand alone. Like, I can easily make a deck that's just 25 events and probably beat Collector 1 and not play any allies. But that's not what I enjoy doing. And I can easily just run a Justice deck, but that's definitely not what I enjoy doing. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Isn't a leadership deck just a Justice deck with more moving pieces? Yeah, it's just a justice deck, but better. You're right. <laughs> Nailed it. Wrong. I, you know, I think this is important to be like the middle of the campaign, though. This is the this is the Empire Strikes Back of the campaign. Like things are going real bad for the heroes. Everybody's having a bad time. So how That's do they true. get out of it? Um, and there's there's a bunch of stuff that happens in the campaign for this too. So you get that campaign side scheme again. Who doesn't love those? In <laughs> case in case justice players felt left out about not having things to do. Um, fear no more. In standard, you're going to have three per player plus four, so that's a maximum of 16. And when you defeat that side scheme, your reward is that each player gets to be dealt one damage, so that's real nice. Um, so don't worry, there's going to be threat to remove. And in expert mode, it's five plus four per player, so it's just a casual 21 and four player. And when you defeat it, now you take two damage for each player, and it has an amplify icon to make the collector extra nasty. So Side scheme, horrible. Um, in expert campaign, if you ever want to brave that, um, in player order, at the start of the game, each player discards cards from the top of the encounter deck until they discard an attachment, and then they reveal that attachment. So basically, in four player, four of those uh, artifact attachments are coming into play, which is fun. <laughs> Um, for, for earning units, you're going to get one for winning again, and then up to three. So if you've defeated that Badoon Headhunter twice, he's now shuffled two extra nasty cards into the deck. You get 
for every two galactic artifacts side schemes in the victory display one extra unit so you could get up the two more there and then um i think that's it so you can get six again if you're really lucky but be warned spoiler for next episode depending on what artifacts you take something different is going to happen in the next scenario you might have a bit of a we'll bounty talk about on your that. Head. So we won't we'll tell you what it that. is, but yeah, we'll talk about it next time. So how are you feeling so far? Halfway through the campaign, uh, Almost feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. Three wins in a row, right? Two Do wins. you want our, you you want to talk about that, or you want to wait till? That? <laughs> <laughs> it's really salty. Uh, here, let me let me tell no. Let me just tell you. I again, I've. I've said this before. I'm pr- I'm pretty casual, probably the most casual of all of us. Um, and I play standard almost exclusively. And so to come into a game with this box that is, in my opinion, has been marketed as um, a lighter, quote unquote, lighter um, living card game, if that's if that can be a thing, um, I think it's unless. You have looked into it. So if you're listening to the podcast, you already know. Uh, this is for those people that don't know. Uh, they don't listen to any podcasts or anything. They're going to be in for a sore. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a rude awakening. They're probably not going to have a good time with it, frankly. Um, because of how difficult I think this the, um, these scenarios ramp up the difficulty more than any anything we've seen before um and not only the difficulty but the complexity with the keywords and and the types of wind conditions and stuff so uh not that i think that's a bad thing i'm just um i don't know that it's uh ideal maybe for without any warning that's all i'm getting at yeah i feel you i mean as a person who mostly played expert mode before i'm finding that standard mode is like pretty well tuned for me but that means there's nothing well-tuned for the people that are used to playing standard. But that being said, you can still mix in any module set you want. I mean, it stinks to not use the new module sets from the box, but you can always throw you know, some Hydra Bombers in there for the whole campaign. Who cares? Um, and I think there's some ways that you can customize the campaign using some of the rewards from Rise of Red Skull and stuff like that. But we'll talk about that next week when we give our overview of the, the full campaign and our, our full thoughts slash gripes or or praises yeah and the collector the collector is pretty easy to modify for your skill level you, you could you can make it seven cards in the collection instead of five it, it'll get a lot easier yeah you if know, you want to make the collector game. really easy just remove that menagerie medley that has nine minions in it and put in something that doesn't have as many minions um like even like if you put bombs there in there yeah, Legions of Hydra. There's three min- Well, that's got three minions and two side <laughs> schemes. That might be just as bad. I'll just put but, it in. Just add it to everything. Yeah, just put it in for fun. Yeah. <laughs> just start by shuffling in your nemesis set. No big deal. Like, just have a blast. We've done that before accidentally. <laughs> nice three boost, Tolk. All right. Well, that was all we had for today. So we've got one more Galaxy's Most Wanted focused episode. And then we'll have to move on to something new because there might be new stuff coming out at that point. So. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week. Good night, everybody. Yeah, see you later.